Awesome job, guys. And I love that song because the song has such power to the message that I'm about to share today. And, um, and because a lot of us, we struggle with the words that we hear. The sharpest words want to cut you down. And, uh, and oftentimes they do. Oftentimes they affect us in the way that we live. And, uh, and so we're in this series called This Is Me, and it's not so much about self-empowerment, but it's more about God empowering us, God empowering you. And so here's the key thought, in, uh, in case you missed last week, and, uh, and I want to kind of bounce off this thought every week. And here it is, if you're taking notes. The key thought is, a lie believed as true will affect you, it will affect you as if it's true. A lie believed as true will affect you as if it's true. And some of us hear those sharp words, and they, and they become a part of who we are. We start to believe in the lies, the lies that tells us that we are inadequate. And today, I want to look at this lie that we often think of, I am inadequate. I am inadequate. Now, I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me how quickly I can, I can get very inadequate. Very quickly, that can happen to me. Maybe comparing yourself with someone else. Maybe you're comparing someone else's financial success. You look at their finances and you think, what's wrong with me? Why do, I, why do they have this? Why don't I measure up? You drive by one of those uh, real nice neighborhoods. You're driving in the neighborhood and you see all these nice homes. And you're thinking, man, why can't that happen to me? I don't feel like I'm good enough. And you feel inadequate. You go to a friend's house. And her house smells like, you know, her house smells perfect. It smells good. You know, your house smells like laundry, right? And then you go into her house. And the, and the food is done on time, you know, the, she, she, she's all good, everything is perfect in the house, the nails are done on her fingers, I mean, she got it all put together, it's all clean. And, and you love her because she's your friend, but you hate her because she's so perfect. And you say, man, why can't I live up to that? Well, maybe you're a student here, and you know your best friend is smart and popular, and then you study, and you study, and you study, and you get B's and C's. You know, and your friend, you know, he doesn't even open the book, and they get straight A's. You know, and, and no one invites you to the dance, and he had seven invitations to the stupid dance. And you're thinking, you know, why, why can this happen to me? What's wrong with me? Why don't I measure up? I don't know if you ever feel this way. But I have, and I have felt spiritually inadequate at times. And I can go to the pastor's conference, you know, and, and I could be around these, some of these guys who are super Christian. I mean, I thought I was pretty good, but then you get around these super Christian, you start having a conversation about the Bible, and they say, oh, yeah, you know, that reminds me of Second Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 14, and then they quote it. And I'm like, I've never heard that verse before. You know, and, and they start quoting it, and, and I'm thinking, how do they do that? You know what I'm talking about? 
Or, or they pray this really super spiritual prayer. And you're just like, whoa, now that's prayer right there. And, and then they say, okay, it's your turn. And you're just like, man, I don't know that I can follow that. I feel so unholy, right? And, and we feel inadequate. And if you feel inadequate this morning, I can totally relate with you. I think for me, I've always felt like I had to prove myself by trying to perform up to some standard because I've never felt good enough for myself. I'm always trying to accomplish this standard. And if I don't make it, I feel like I'm inadequate. You know, there's never been a time in my life where I felt more inadequate, inadequate when I held my very first child, Nathan. Now, a few hours after he's born, and I'm holding this baby, and, I, and I, all of a sudden, I feel overwhelmed with this feeling of inadequacy because every houseplant that I've ever touched dies. And I'm thinking, I've got this human being, this living, human, breathing baby in my hand, and I feel so inadequate. I, say, I, don't, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm not good enough. And then you add to it what I do for a living, and you wouldn't believe how inadequate I feel sometimes as a pastor. I mean, from day number one, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel holy enough. I don't feel like I know enough. I'm overwhelmed with these feelings of inadequacy. Question for you. Why do we all battle with these lies, these beliefs that we believe in, these lies that we believe in, of inadequacy. Why do we do that? But let me build a foundation, give you a couple ideas, and then we're going to look at the book of Judges, and we're going to look at the life of Gideon, and we'll get some principles that I believe that will help all of us here this morning. But why do we feel inadequate? You know, we probably could come up with a list about four or five, six different things, but I'm going to give you two, I believe, big reasons that a lot of times we feel inadequate today. Number one, unfair criticism. Unfair criticism. If you're taking notes, unfair criticism. Somewhere along the way in your life, those sharp words cut you down. Somewhere along, your, somewhere along the way in your life, someone told you that you didn't measure up. Someone told you that you didn't have what it takes. Someone told you that they didn't like you, I wish I never had you. Someone told you that you're pathetic, you're never going to amount to anything. Someone told you, I wish you were more like so-and-so. And internally, those messages, those lies, have been burned into the hard drive of your ego, of your brain, of your mind. And anytime you want to do something significant, those old messages start to replay and you rethink those lies. You start to believe in it as if it was true. I'm not adequate. I'm not capable to do this. So we got unfair criticism, but here's another reason why we sometimes feel, feel inadequate. It's unwise comparison. Unwise comparison. We like to look around at, the, uh, at other people and say, you know, I'm not like them. I'm, I'm not attractive. I'm not as bright. 
Or, or we might say, you know, I don't have the fruits of the Spirit like some of these other Christians. I don't have good fruit, or my fruits aren't as good as their fruit. And we start to compare. We start to say, man, they got more gifts than I do. By the way, social media, we talked about this not too long ago, but social media is one of the greatest causes of feelings of inadequacy. Because you upload your picture of your peanut butter sandwich, your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and when you post it, someone else is posting a picture of them eating lobster on the beach in Hawaii. And, and, and all of a sudden, you feel like, man, my life is lame. You know, I don't go on vacations. I don't have movie star friends. I've only got 172, 172 followers on Instagram, and, and he has 912 followers. I don't have friends. I'm a loser. We, we think all this stuff. We compare. We compare ourselves to others. And we feel very inadequate. And the lies start to tell us what we're not. But God wants to tell us what we are. God wants to tell us what we are. And today I want to look at the story of Gideon. I'm going to read chapter 6. I'm going to read it, I'm going to add some commentary, and then we'll break it down. Let God help us to confront some of the lies that we keep believing. Some of these lies that we think this is who we are, this is not who God wants you to be, though. God has something so much bigger than the lies that you're believing. And so we're going to look at the life of Gideon. Judges chapter 6, and verse number 11. The angel of the, angel of the Lord came and sat down. Under the oak at Oprah, by the way, she's been around for a very, very long time. <laughs> Oprah. It belonged to Joash, the Abazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So I'm going to pause this just a minute. Gideon was threshing wheat. Somewhere where you don't thresh wheat. If you were threshing wheat, you're, in a, you're typically in a very high place so that you can throw the wheat that you gathered and that you can throw it up in the air where it's wind blowing and it can separate the, the, the chaff of the wheat with the good stuff. And the good stuff is heavier than the chaff of the wheat. That will fly away and the good stuff will fall straight down. That's how you thresh wheat back in these days. What you don't do is hide in a pit. You don't hide in a wine press. You don't get low, but Gideon is scared. He's hiding because he doesn't want the Midianites, he doesn't want the Midianite to steal his wheat. So he's hiding. He's afraid. He's terrified of the enemy, and this is what the angel said to him in verse number 12. The angel showed up, and he said to Gideon, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, if I had been there, I would have told, I would have told Gideon the truth. I would have said, The Lord is with you, you mighty wolf. You big chicken. You big scary cat. You're scared. But the Lord saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see in himself. Look at verse number 13. 
You said, pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and he said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now in verse 15, we're going to see that whenever God calls you, whenever God empowers you, leads you to do something, your external enemies, those that are around you, those voices that have been talking to you, they'll tell you something that you're not. And your internal enemies, the voices inside of you, will often play the negative messages that your ego has been conditioned to approve. You've been living these lies. And so we see this in verse number 15. A Gideon said, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And you might say it this way. I'm not talented enough. I'm not good on stage. You know, I can't sing. I'm not that bright. I'm not as godly. I don't look like her. I'm not as talented as him. And all of, the, all of these inner me messages try to tell you why you can't do what God already said you could do. And the Lord answered with the key to the whole message here. In verse number 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. What are we going to do? We're going to confront the lies. Because we are not who we think we are. We're going to become who God says we are. Now, three things you need to know about you. Three things that you need to know about you from the story of Gideon. And the first thing, if you're taking notes, when your enemy voices, those lies that you've been conditioned to approve, those lies that you believe to be truth in your life, those messages of insecurity and ad inadequacy, here's what you need to remember. Number one, remember that God's view of you is different than you think. God's view of you is different than you think. And I promise you this. I promise you that God sees more in you than you see in yourself. In verse 12, the angel of the Lord, he appears to Gideon, and he's hiding, right? He's afraid. He's hiding from the Midianites. He's in the wine cellar, you know, trying to catch the wind, throwing up the wheat. He's there, and, and the Lord says, hey, I am with you. And then he calls him a what? He calls him mighty warrior. See, God saw more in Gideon, then he saw it himself. You know, my wife, Karen, she doesn't know I'm going to talk about her today. But, you know, this is all good. I'm not going to be in trouble today, just in case you're wondering. It's all good. But, you know, God has been working in her life. You know, when we got married, 
You know, one of the things she told me, she said, Scott, you know, I'm not going to be like a typical pastor's wife where I can play the piano, you know, and, and, and lead Bible studies. You know, I, my, my gift is just to be a wonderful wife. And I said, hey, that's okay. And that, that's the first calling is to be a wonderful wife, be a wonderful mother to our, to our kids. And she said, okay, there's no expectations. I said, there is none. I, I put no expectations on her. And, and, and in the last few years, God has really been working in her life. You know, and she started, you know, coming to me and she said, you know, I think I'm going to lead a Bible study. And I said, okay, good, you should. And so I'm really nervous. I said, it's all right. You know, God sees something more than you see in yourself. And then she stepped up and, and, and she started doing these Bible studies. And, 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 and then... This past year, she spoke for the first time in public. And, and, and at first, she was trying to get somebody else to do it, and she said, you know, maybe I should get that person. And, and she said, well, you know, you think I should? I said, Karen, I think you should. I said, no, you know, this person over here will be a lot better, and this person will speak a lot better. I said, no, Karen, I think you should do it. Well, I, I, just, I don't feel adequate. I said, listen. God sees more in you than you see in yourself. And God is using her in, a, in a, an amazing way to, to really step out of her shell to do what God has called her to do. And I want you to know, for every single one of you, God's view of you is different than your view of yourself. Someone told you, no, you can't. Well, that end of me said, well, here's all the reasons why I can't do what I believe God is calling me to do. But God's view of you is different than you think. I love the way Ephesians says in Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> it says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship. Another way to say it, it's that we are God's masterpiece. You're one of a kind. You're more valuable than you realize. You're precious in the sight of God. You have value in your life. That's who you are in Christ. You are a workmanship. You are a masterpiece. God has called you to do something Long before you were born, long before you were born, God had a heavenly to-do list just for you, tailor-made, tailor-made for your life. It's made for you. It's not made for anybody else. By the way, I always say this, that if you don't live out the calling, if you don't live out what God has called you to do, if you're thinking, well, you know what, someone else can do it. If you don't do what God has called you to do, then there's a gap in God's creative order. Because he created, he has a plan, he has tailor-made it not to fit anybody else but you, your life. God has created you with everything in you to do everything that he has called you to do. God's view of you is different than you think. Others don't see you as God sees you. I love the stories that we read in the Bible. 
Now, when everybody looked at Rahab in the Old Testament, Rahab, what did they see? Well, they saw a prostitute. They saw a harlot. But what did God see? Well, God saw someone whose heart would eventually turn toward him, who would one day marry a godly man named Salmon, who then would give birth to generations to come. And as part of that genealogy is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who was born in that same family tree. Others saw a prostitute, but God saw divine potential. When others looked on David as a child, they all saw a little shepherd boy. But God saw something in him that they didn't see. God saw a warrior. He's able to stand up to a giant. Whenever David sinned and fell, and fell from because of his adulterous behavior and murdered, everyone saw an adulterer and a murderer. But God saw a man who would do anything to go after the heart of God, who became a friend of God. Peter messed up over and over and over again. He messed up again and again and again. They couldn't seem to get it right. But what did Jesus see in Peter? Jesus saw Peter as a rock who would help build the church. Jesus saw in Peter that one day he could have preached he would be the guest speaker on the day of Pentecost, and over 3,000 people would get saved and baptized in one day. That's what Jesus, that's what God saw in Peter. No one else saw that. No one else saw that coming. You see, when others see you, or when you see yourself, and I came here today to tell you that God sees more in you than you think. God's view of you is different. God has put more in you than you realize. And so if you're facing inadequacy, insecurity about who you are, remember, God's view of you is different than you think. But number two, remember that God has given you more than you think. God has given you more than you think. I love what God said to Gideon in verse number 14. He said, go take a class and get ready for this calling. Is that what he said? No, he didn't say that. Did he say, go read a book? You know, go take your class online, go read a book. Is that what God said? No, that's not what he said in verse 14. What did God say? Look at verse number 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. You should underline that. Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength that I've already given you. Go in the strength that you already have. Go and use what I have provided for you. And there are some of you today that all you hear is the negative messages of your inner me that says that you don't have what it takes or that you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You're not attractive enough. And I want you to know that God has given you more than you think. There is more inside of you. You have everything you need to do everything that God has put in you, that God wants you to do. And I'm living proof. I am living proof that God has put more in me than I could ever imagine. There's been time in my life 
Well, I thought, man, I could never preach. I could never stand in front of people. But God has given me something inside of the deep of my heart where other people told me that I can't. God saw potential. God saw potential. You see, there's potential in every one of us here. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, God has given you exactly what you need to fulfill the calling he has in your life. Whatever that is in your life, whatever plan he has for your life, he has given you what you need. One of my favorite heroes is an evangelist named David Ring. How many of you heard of David Ring? Just a few of you. All right. David Ring travels all around the country and he has severe cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy. You get him up here, he can barely walk. By the way, they told him that he could never have kids, could never get married. He had a family, he had a family of four or five kids. He can barely walk and barely talk. And he'll get up here and he'll preach. And he oftentimes might be hard to understand. You think I'm tough to hear sometimes. David Rain is a challenge. And he breaks out his heart. And one of his most powerful lines, because one of his, one of his messages is very similar to this message that I'm giving. It's living out what God has called you to do. Don't be afraid. And then he would say this. You would say in, his, in the stuttering voices that he had and, and, and everything that he could get out of him, he would say, I have cerebral palsy. What's your problem? What's your problem? So God has given me, hey, God has given me a passion and a calling, and I'm not going to let cerebral palsy get in my way to do what God has called me to do. Every morning, I take my kids to school, drop them off, and every morning, I look at Nathan in the eyes, right before he walks out. I look at Nathan, I say, Nathan, you've got what it takes. You've got what it takes. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't. You've got everything in you to do what God has called you to do. You've got what it takes. You've got what it takes. There's someone here, you need to hear this, because there's more in you than you realize. God put more inside of you than you've ever imagined. I love what the Bible says, and it's so powerful. Second Peter chapter 1, and verse number 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need. You see, is God holding anything back from you? No, he's not. He gives you everything you need for what? The Bible said, for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's in our knowledge of Jesus, it's our knowledge of who God is, that he gives us everything we need to live the life that God is calling you to live. And it's with his divine power that he provides. So don't believe the lies that your enemy 
continue to tell you. God view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think. You say, well, Scott, I'm not a stage person. You know, I'm more behind the scenes kind of a person. And Jesus said, yeah, and the greatest, the greatest are those who serve. Those who are behind the scenes, those who serve are the greatest. You may be, this morning, you may be the greatest in the kingdom of God, and you don't even know it. You know, for some of you, you say, well, God, I'm not a six-figure guy. I don't make six figures. I'm not making that kind of money. But listen to this. You may be at home with your kids that needs you six nights a week, and that's far greater. And you will make a bigger difference than what you earn as you invest your life into your kids. And you say, well, Scott, you know, I never know what to, what to say. I, you know, people talk to me, and I, I'm not very good at responding. I always think about the good stuff to say after the fact. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I always think about, oh, I should have told them this. But in the moment, you know, I just listen. You know, and I oftentimes don't know what to say. And I say this, more lies are changed by a good listener than people that always talk. And it's a gift from God, listening. It's a gift from God, and your presence can represent God's presence. God has given you more than you think. Don't you ever insult God by talking about what you don't have. God has given you everything that you need to do everything that God wants you to do. Number three, if you're facing feelings of inadequacy, remember this. It's less about you than you think. It's less about you than you think. This is what the Lord said to Gideon in verse number 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you. I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites. God says, I will, I will be with you. You remember when the angels appeared to Gideon at the very beginning in verse 11? The angel said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. It was, and always had been, but it was less about Gideon and more about God's power that Gideon never realized. When God calls you to do something, it's more about the presence of God than it is with your own power. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 13, it says, I can do all this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's not about you. It's less, than what you, it's less about you than you think. It's all about him. It's more about his strength than your power. It's less about you than you think. And that's why as a believer, we have to take our ego and we have to surrender it to God. Because it's not about who others say we are. We will not be who we wrongly think we are. We will become who God says we are. We will lay it down. It's less about us than we think. John the Baptist understood this. He's the forerunner of Jesus, proclaiming that the one who's to come, the Lamb of God, who will take away the sins of the world. And he had a following. I mean, he was different than the religious crowd of the day. Everyone's like, man, this is something, this guy's crazy. But he's speaking some hard truth. And so he was, 
He would draw the crowd. I mean, he was having a, a full service. The offering was good. You know, I mean, everything was, was rocking and rolling. I mean, I mean this, is, this is a success model. And then Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up, and people started following Jesus, and the crowd that John the Baptist had, oh, man, where's everybody? One week they had 1,000, and next week they had 50 people. And, and, and so I'm sure the, 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 the board got around John the Baptist and said, hey, man, something's wrong here. What is going on? Why is this happening? You used to have a crowd of people following you, and now you've got barely anybody. You know what? This is terrible. The offering's down. We don't know how we're going to provide. We don't know how we're going to take care of all this. And you know what John the Baptist says, and you understood all of this. John the Baptist said in John chapter 3, verse number 30, he said, he must become greater, and I must become less. It's not about me. It's always been about who Jesus is. And I told you earlier that I feel very inadequate to be a pastor. And I do, because I am. I'm very inadequate. And I know about him behind the scenes. I know what's going on in my personal life. But the good news is this. It's less about me than I think. It's less about me. See, every Saturday night, every Saturday night, I begin to hone down on the message for what, that I'm going to preach on Sunday morning. It's every Saturday night. I tell Karen, you know, I don't like to do anything on Saturday night. You know, we go out to dinner maybe. And I get home, and I, I get in the zone. Okay, I get, I get my, you know, focus. I start going over my notes one more time, several times. Now I pray. I, I begin to, to get into that, into that mindset of I have a message that is so important. And it's not my message. It's God's word. And I'm going to be held accountable one day to God what I do with his word. And so I don't take what I do every Sunday morning lightly. Saturday night, I don't sleep well. Sunday morning, I get up, and it's on my mind. I pray. I pray with some others. I pray by myself. My family, they pray with me in the van on our way in. They all pray while I'm driving with my eyes open. Happening, it's good. They're praying. Every Sunday morning. We pray. I'm nervous. You say, you get nervous? Oh, yeah. I get nervous. This is a high calling. High calling. But every Sunday morning, after the last worship song is sung, I step into this pulpit, this sacred desk, as I open up his sacred word, and I step as I step into this, for me, this is what it means. It means this. I am stepping out of Scott Blanchard, and I'm stepping into his calling. I'm stepping out of me, and I'm stepping into his power, his grace. Because really, it's not about me. It's really about Jesus. It's all about him. And when I step into his calling, I step into his strength. I step into his power. I step into his goodness. I step into his grace. 
I step into his, his uh, mercy because it's less about me and it's more about him. And that's how I can do what he calls me to do every week. And that's how you can do what God calls you to do. But you say, well, I'm not good enough. No, 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 no. You need to step into his grace. He said, well, Scott, I'm not smart enough. No, 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 no. You need to step into his power. His power is made perfect in your weakness. He said, well, I'm not as pretty as she is. Hey, step into your calling. Step into it. You've got something that she doesn't have, and you've got a calling that she doesn't have. He said, well, I'm never going to be good enough as a parent. Well, you've got to step into what God has called you to do. And if he calls you, he will equip you. And you have everything you need to do everything he wants you to do. Well, just, I just can't get it all done. You just need to step into his grace, step into his power, and let him do it through you. You see, you are not who others say you are. You are not who your enemy and all the lies say you are. You are who God says you are. And he said that you are his masterpiece, one of a kind, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared a long time ago for you to do. You are one of a kind. So surrender your inadequacies and give it to God. Kneel down and sacrifice whatever it may be and give it to the Lord. And when you stand up, you stand up and step into what God has called you to be. Because God's view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think. And it's always less than what you think. Because it's really all about him.